Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio with me, journalist Alex Williams. You're more likely to hear me presenting the weekday news hour programme, but it's a real pleasure to have your company. This is the show where we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith and ministry. The Profile is brought to you in association with Premier Christianity magazine. For a free sample copy of the latest issue, you can visit Premier Christianity dot com forward slash free sample in it you'll find features interviews columnists and much more now how significant a stand would you be prepared to take for your faith today on the profile we've been talking to jack phillips let me briefly tell you a little bit about him Jack lives in the US state of Colorado, where he owns his cake decorating business in the city of Lakewood called the Masterpiece Cake Shop. It's been going since 1993 and has won a number of awards. You can order a cake for different occasions with various fillings, frostings and flavours and so on. Outside of Lakewood, not many people had heard of Jack Phillips. That was until 2012 when his life changed forever. A gay couple, Dave Mullins and Charlie Craig, came into the store and said they wanted a cake for their wedding. Jack Phillips declined the order request, saying it went against his Christian faith. But the Colorado Human Rights Commission, acting on behalf of the state, ruled that Jack had broken its anti-discrimination law. Jack took counter-legal action, arguing his rights to free speech and exercise of religion under the First Amendment were at stake. And several appeals later within the state, the case eventually went to the highest court in the land, the US Supreme Court. And in a ruling which generated considerable media attention, justices sided 7-2 to two with Jack Phillips. Here's some reaction the couple, Dave Mullins and Charlie Craig, gave CNN's John Berman on the New Day programme. Well, I feel like in Colorado and in about half the states, uh, sexual orientation is protected underneath a lot of the civil rights laws. Uh, six years ago when this actually happened to us, we had no idea about that law but we have since learned that. And, you know, I think the compromise really is any business can choose what they want to sell to people. They just can't choose who to sell it to. Do you see any hope in this ruling, or is it simply a reminder of how far we have to go? The main thing we want people to know about this ruling is that it has fully left Colorado's Anti-Discrimination Act intact. It hasn't changed the law. Dave Mullins and Charlie Craig speaking there to CNN's John Berman on the New Day show back in June 2018. Now, a year before the Supreme Court ruling came through last summer, another legal case started to unravel. A transgender lawyer approached the Masterpiece Cake Shop asking for a cake to celebrate their gender transition. It was to be blue on the outside and pink in the middle. Autumn Scadina was informed that Masterpiece did not make cakes which celebrate an individual's gender transition. She sued and in June last year, the Colorado Human Rights Commission decided that there was sufficient evidence for a discrimination claim. Then just earlier this month, another development... Jack Phillips got the go-ahead to challenge the state of Colorado. It gave him the green light to sue for hostility towards him and his religious beliefs. Jack's lawyers at ADF International, Alliance Defending Freedom, argue that the state is acting in bad faith and with bias against Jack. Remarkable, but not unique, because a Christian florist in the US state of Washington who declined to arrange flowers for a same-sex wedding has also found herself at the centre of a lengthy legal case there. Baronel Stutzman is also being supported by ADF International, and Premier has heard how Phillips and Stutzman have become friends and are helping to support each other. Her case is currently being looked at again by the state of Washington's Supreme Court. 
Now, towards the end of last year, I rang through to the US and spoke with Jack Phillips. We talked about his faith as well as the struggles and encouragements he's experienced during these past seven years. We also discussed the impact that this has all had on his family. In our interview, you'll hear from Jonathan Scruggs, Alliance Defending Freedom's Senior Counsel and Director of the Centre for Conscience Initiatives. I began by asking Jack uh, whether he was prepared to take his transgender cake case all the way to the Supreme Court. Let's take a listen. Yes, I'm personally prepared for that. The first fight was worth the fight, and this one is too. They're, the cases are both so similar, and the United States Supreme Court addressed the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission directly regarding this case, this type of case, and me directly, personally. I understand that um, a a nephew of yours has has become a a Christian. I understand that it was uh, related to your situation. After he saw uh, the fight that we had to go through, and uh, just basically, in his words, more or less, the way that I handled the, the attacks and all, it made him stop and and wonder how I could get get by with that, how I would be able to stand up through those kind of things. And realizing that it was my faith in, in Christ and uh, made him stop and wonder what that would do in his life. And so he started uh, researching the Bible and, and exploring faith in Christ and, and came to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ because of those searches. Do you see God using the challenges that you're facing for good absolutely god uses it says in romans and it's misquoted a lot but he works all things together for good to those who who love him and are called according to his purpose and if this is the call that he's put on us then there's no doubt that he will use those things for good jack you had to take the um first case all the way through to the supreme court to eventually be vindicated Do, do you with this second case as well with this um, request to, to mark someone's transgender change. Do you feel under attack at all for what you believe in as a Christian? Uh, whether I'm under attack for that or not, this case was addressed by the United States Supreme Court. The Civil Rights Commission was told that they're being hostile to my faith and they can't do that. And they're doing the same thing again. And they have to treat me equal with other bakeries in, in uh, Colorado. And they're not doing that. And they're told that they have to. So the question is, can they do that? And that's what we're fighting, that the U.S. Supreme Court directly address them, that they are violating my uh, religious uh, freedom. There's a a case uh, in the U.K., um, between a Northern Ireland uh, Equality Commission and a, a Christian owned bakery called Ashes. Are you aware of that case at all? Yes, I am. I've followed it loosely from here, and I saw that they won their case recently. What was your reaction Ashers to that? I was glad for them because I, they shouldn't be uh, forced to uh, create expressive work similar to mine that goes against their faith. And Alex, I can probably jump in just as a legal perspective sure. and say a lot of the same principles that are applied in that case uh, apply right on point to, to Jack's case. I mean, Jack serves all people. He serves people in the LGBT community and is happy to do so, but he doesn't just he just doesn't convey all messages. And that was a similar situation for the case uh, over there. And the court made that distinction and recognized that distinction. Uh, it, and it's a common sense distinction, and it's a distinction that allows people to live together in a pluralistic society. Uh, just because we disagree with each other on certain topics uh, doesn't mean the government should be able to, for, to lock people up or to compel them to speak messages they disagree with. So that's the underarching principles at stake in these cases. Do you have a message, Jack, for, for the MacArthur family? They, they can probably relate to what you've been through. I'd say good job. Thanks. Thanks for keeping up the fight and uh, standing firm. Christmas is, is approaching. It's a time of year where a, a lot of us you know, look forward and anticipate that time of year. It's a celebration for so, so many of us, particularly Christians. Um, for you, does it feel like there's going to be a, a bit of a subduedness to, to Christmas, a, a black cloud maybe? Oh, no, not at all. The celebration of Christmas in the season um, is just as important this year as 
as last year and year before and every year since, especially since I became a Christian in my early twenties. And, uh, if, yeah, it's just going to be a good year. Looking forward to it. What are you looking forward to most about Christmas? Uh, the time that I get to celebrate with my family and, uh, um, realizing what, uh, the season means that God came to earth to, uh, redeem me from my sins through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross, his death and resurrection. And, uh, um, that he still rules the universe and I get to uh, participate in, uh, in, uh, his plans. Mm. We've seen uh, reports of, you know, rallies and things, um, held in support of you. I know, I think it was at the end of December mm-hmm. in Denver, there was a, a rally uh, for you, Jack, how would you describe that the, the support that you've received from, um, politicians in the U S and, and also members of the church community? The support from both politicians and the church body at large has been really encouraging um, to know, like John was saying, we serve everybody. It's not a matter of we won't serve this people, this person, whatever. It's messages that we cannot create. You know, we do artistic expression and um, people understand that and have come by to support us and encourage us. And that's been just really wonderful. Given the extent of, of the abuse that, that has been targeted towards you, I, I wondered whether there was maybe a particular Bible verse or, or passage from Scripture which has encouraged you in that. Well, a number of them. The Psalms, um, John 15, John fifteen five is one of ADF's theme verses, and that uh, comes back um, that without me you can do nothing that if we abide in him. John 15, 1 through 10 or 11 you know, talks about abiding in the vine, that Jesus is the vine. And if we abide in him and his words abide in us, then we will bear much fruit. And apart from him, we can do nothing. So that's always been a critical, important part, important verse to me. How's business doing? We've had all our bills paid for the last, uh, this has been going on for over six years. We've been able to pay all of our bills. And uh, the spring, as we hope to get back into the wedding business, that would be uh, a good thing. Is for the last four or five years, we have been out of the wedding business, which was 40% of our income um, from the start when we opened the bakery. And when the state took away our wedding business, that was a very uh, hard thing to deal with. But we've been able to pay the bills. We've lost employees. And now hopefully we'll be able to uh, bring new employees back and get back on our feet to where we were before. How can our listeners here at Premier Christian Radio across the United Kingdom be praying for you and your family at this time? Praying that um, we do the right things, that we make decisions that honor God in everything we do, in our relationships with each other, in uh, the way we handle business and the way we uh, um, proclaim his name and, and the examples of Christians living in the, in the real world, in the business world. Mm. On a day-to-day basis, um, do you think about the current proceedings a lot in your mind, or, or do you just kind of get on with the, the bread and butter routine, I suppose, of you know doing the essential things that need to be done? Yeah, a lot of what I have to do is just bread and butter, but we have uh, people that come by to support us actually come into the store or call us or emails, and so you have to you know address that, you know, People come in to encourage you, and we end up encouraging them that uh, our God is faithful, and um, so we do. We do both: just baking cakes all throughout the day, and and uh, dealing with customers, and and informing them what the situation is with the case, and and how they can pray as well. If you'd known six or so years ago when that first order was made for that gay wedding, everything that would have happened uh, to you and your family since, uh, would you have done things differently? I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, No, I wouldn't. I don't have much more of an answer than that, but I wouldn't have changed anything. It's been um, encouraging for us as a family, as a business, you know, extended family, like we were talking earlier about my nephew coming to faith. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't change it. What kind of role does your faith play when you're when you're crafting those cakes? Because I've seen pictures of them. They, you know, they're incredible. I know that the skill 
the talent that I have is not something that I've developed on my own. I've practiced it, obviously, because I've done this for 40 years, but it's a gift that God gave me for this purpose so that I can use it to glorify him, um, to honor him with what I do. And as I'm doing the cakes, even if it's a cake that, you know, I'm tired or whatever and don't particularly, you know, I'm not enthused about doing something, I know that I'm doing it for him. And so that makes me want to do the best that I can just to honor God in everything that I do as I do things day by day. And I understand, um, Jack, you've been in contact with a lady, uh, Baronel Stutzman, if I've got that name correct, a, yes. a Christian florist. Um, uh, how's that relationship? Uh, uh, how did that emerge? And, and um, how has that relationship maybe been a positive uh, thing for you in, in terms of maybe uh, in- encouragement and, and empathy, perhaps? Yeah, uh, we've come in contact with each other through our mutual um, association with Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF. Um, she's their client as well. And so we've been at different uh, gatherings and functions and got to be fairly good friends. We exchange emails and uh, uh, Thanksgiving and uh, we'll have probably emails and phone calls over Christmas. So we see each other occasionally and, and our relationship is pretty good because we're fighting through the same things for the same reason. Again, we serve everybody. Just we don't create every message that people ask us to create. Can you um, uh, explain what's the next step in this in this process? Because understandably, the American legal system is a little bit different to what we have over here in the UK. That I would have to probably defer to John and let him. Yeah, yeah, I can I can that. talk about I can talk about that. So yeah, as you note, uh, our legal system uh, on the kind of the national or federal scale also involves the U.S. government has kind of three levels. Uh, the, the lower court, the district court, the middle level, and then the top level is the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Jack has had to file a case to protect himself at the lowest, and it's the case start at that lowest level. And we're hopeful the court will protect his rights. Uh, but if not, we can go through an appeal procedure that goes all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court is, if necessary. Um, so in the next months, we expect a, a ruling from the district court. Um, on some of these issues, and we're, like I said, we're hopeful that uh, the dis- the lower court will rule in Jack's favor. How much attention has this case generated in America? A fair amount. Obviously, anytime you have someone go to the U.S. Supreme Court, win, uh, and then the government try to uh, essentially prosecute him under the same law for very in very similar facts, that's going to draw a lot of attention. Um, because the government really shouldn't be singling people out because of what they believe, because of what they say. Uh, and that's what's going on here. The same inconsistent treatment that the U.S. Supreme Court uh, criticized the state of Colorado for engaging in is, is still going on. And that's why we're hopeful and people have focused on this case all across the country and said, look, this is just common sense. This is not right. This is not fair. John, you've probably seen your fair share of um, complicated cases over the years. Uh, does Jack's determination to continue on uh, in this process um, inspire you? Oh, absolutely. It's inspirational. I mean, not many people uh, you know, sign up to engage in litigation, right? Jack's, and Jack has been forced to over the past six years. And you go to the Supreme Court and win and you think, hey, this is over. I can get back to my life. I can go and just operate my business in accordance with my faith. That's what I've always wanted to do. And then you turn around and the state is right there again, repeating the same mistakes. Uh, yet Jack is, is, is still there saying, hey, this is an important freedom uh, to stand up for, not just for myself, but on behalf of all Americans, but really just all people across the world. Because uh, it, it, this really comes down to the issue of can people live out their faith in the public square uh, on the issue of marriage and uh, sexual ethics and, and these topics. Uh, and that's an important point uh, to protect um, because like I said before, we live in a society with people who have different views. So how do we live together? And we need to be able to live to disagree, but yet live together in peace and in tolerance. And Jack is really a model of that. Uh, when you have cases like Jack's come to you, John, um, how, how do you as an organization try to ensure that, uh, you know, a client and their family are prepared for, you know, what can be quite a bumpy ride? 
Yeah, I, I think just like another any other organization, we're advising them of what this process looks like and you know what you, they can expect, and and the the there are highs and lows, uh, just like any type of process. Um, but Jack has really measured that well, and so of all our clients, because I, you know for all our clients, it is about these important issues, trying to protect themselves, trying to protect other people, uh, and that's something to be inspired by. Uh, that helps them weather just the storms of, of life and uh, of just litigation. And Jack, I wanted to ask you: Do you, do you have a message to to, to the U.S. Uh, leadership, uh, perhaps Donald Donald Trump? I, I mean, some people might expect someone of his political background to be, you know, supportive of of your case. Has he been? I don't know that he has been directly supportive of it. Um, the Department of Justice is part of his uh is part of the executive branch of our government and they were um involved in our supreme court case john could i ask you what do you think this says about where america is right now that just a, a regular businessman has has found himself uh, being taken uh, ending up at the supreme court on one occasion and now there's this second case um in the pipeline yeah, well, I think it goes to show that there are hostile officials, hostile states, hostile governments out there that are seeking uh, – that dislike certain viewpoints and dislike certain messages uh, and dislike certain beliefs. And that was borne out by what the U.S. Supreme Court said the first time in criticizing these officials. But I think we can take hope uh, of – you know, look at what the U.S. Supreme Court did in its first ruling, uh, vindicating Jack's freedoms, vindicating the freedoms of other – people in America. Uh, and so that's something to take hope from, uh, that despite you have these situ- you know, these situations going on across the country, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court did step in once, and if they need to do so again, uh, we would expect them to do so. And I suppose in a, in a way, Jack is, is quite, um, well, he's in, a, in an enviable position in that he has an organization um, with the resources um, such as yourselves who can support him right up to the highest court in the land because presumably not everyone has that luxury uh, that, uh unfortunately that's right uh, our legal system often does require a lot of resources uh, but our greatest resource really is our clients who are willing to take a stand who are willing to believe in certain things are important uh, uh and that is really an amazing testimony and so we're really thankful for for them and, and the victories that they have won I know that a lot of our listeners care, uh, you know, deeply about um, people like you who, who find themselves um, facing such challenges. And I know that a lot of our listeners pray about situations like yours. What does it mean to you to know that, you know, in America and maybe even further afield that there are people praying for you? Yeah, it makes me think um, four or five years ago in the middle of the day, somebody called me up and said that he and his wife were just about to pray for me. What specifically could they pray for? And I thought, I don't even know this person. I don't know where they are, but they're actually physically, literally getting ready to bow the knee and and lift my name up to the Father. And I realized then that that's not something that I would ever take for granted again, that somebody was actually praying for me then and to know that people do continually and pray for the other people, Baronel and and all the other clients that they have. Um, It's really inspiring. That was the Christian baker, Jack Phillips, and his lawyer, Jonathan Scruggs, from Alliance Defending Freedom, speaking with me, Alex Williams. We were discussing uh, Jack Phillips' victory at the Supreme Court last summer, which ruled he was within his rights to decline a request for an order for a same-sex wedding. And we all heard during that interview also that Jack now faces another legal challenge. He's facing fresh action now for refusing to make a cake to mark someone's gender transition. This is a story we will continue, of course, to cover here at Premier Christian Radio. Thank you very much for joining me, Alex Williams, on today's edition of The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. Don't go anywhere this Saturday afternoon. We'll be back with more content for you right after this.
It was 50 years ago when young missionary Jackie Pullinger left London and got on a boat to Hong Kong, determined to share God's love with those in need. Miracles followed. Now she's challenging the church to get on with the job. My message is always the same. It's how to get us sure enough of God's love so we can go out and share it with the lost. Read the full interview with this inspiring evangelist exclusively in Premier Christianity magazine. This is very short life and eternal life is forever. We could feel all stupid if we wasted this one. For your free copy, visit premierchristianity.com forward slash free sample. The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Welcome back to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hales. You just heard my colleague Alex Williams in discussion with Jack Phillips, the man at the centre of the gay cake case over in the USA. Now, in the second part of today's show, I spoke with the Patriarch of Jerusalem. It was an honour to host him here at Premier Christian Radio. He'd just come from meetings with Prince Charles and the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, both of whom have a keen interest in the plight of Christians in the Middle East. The Patriarch was visiting the UK for those meetings, and he also came here to Premier to really share the following reflections with us at Premier and with you. We covered a variety of topics, church unity, the political situation in Jerusalem, and also the phenomenon known as holy fire. This is really quite a remarkable claimed miracle that takes place every Holy Saturday in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. That is the place in Jerusalem that's traditionally thought to be the exact spot where Jesus both died and also where Jesus resurrected. And every Holy Saturday, a representative from the Orthodox Church will go down into the tomb where it is claimed that a blue light emanates from. Miraculously, every Holy Saturday will light a torch and then that fire will be passed around the church. And it is claimed that this fire burns but does not consume. And so you will see people, if you go there on a Holy Saturday, you will see people waving their hands through this fire. I wanted to talk to the Patriarch of Jerusalem about that miracle, so you'll hear that in a moment. But you'll also hear really his reflections and the message he wanted to share with Christians in the UK, as I say, on a variety of subjects. So without any further ado, let's hear our conversation. Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by his most godly beatitude, the Patriarch of the Holy City of Jerusalem and all Palestine, Israel, Syria, Arabia, beyond the Jordan River, Cana of Galilee and Holy Zion, Theophilus III. His most godly beatitude was elected unanimously in 2005 by the Holy Synod of Jerusalem as the 141st primate of the Orthodox Church of Jerusalem. And he joins me now in the studio. Welcome uh, your beatitude. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you very much here with you today. It's always important to us as Christians in the UK to hear from Christians in the Middle East. And in particular yourself, you're representing a church that has been there for really since the, the very birth of Christianity. Would you Correct. like to give us some of the um, incredible history of, of really where you're coming from and, and what you represent? Thank you very much. It's a great honor for me to be hosted by Premier and to uh, present a message from the Holy City of Jerusalem and, of course, from the Holy City of the birthplace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, uh, Bethlehem. Mm. And today you are preparing ourselves to celebrate this uh, great uh, event, the good news, that is to say, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Church of Jerusalem is uh, considered to be the mother church uh, of all churches because it was uh, on the day of the that blood and water came from the side of our Lord Jesus Christ while he was on the cross. Mm. And it was at that moment that the church was uh, established on earth. And it was from there that the church was expanded uh, uh, all over the world mm. and continues to expand. This is why Jerusalem is considered to be the mother of all churches. And uh, we in uh, Jerusalem, I mean, uh, we continue this great uh, uh, succession from the first bishop of Jerusalem 
the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, St. James the Just. Uh, therefore, the Patriarchate of Jerusalem has uh, an unbreakable, uh, continuous uh, presence for mm. almost a thousand years, yes. right? Yeah. And the role of the Patriarchate is very, very important because thanks to the Patriarchate, that uh, not only the holy places which are common to Judaism, to Christianity, and later, of course, to Muslims, uh, but uh, it's important the role of the Patriarchate because it maintains the Christian character of Jerusalem mm. uh, uh, as well. Yes. And uh, this is why today the holy city of Jerusalem is uh, accessible to everybody, to all the uh, religious people from all over the world mm. without any discrimination. Absolutely. Whatsoever. Yes, right? and, and having, having been there myself many times, I can testify to that fact that you can. Anyone can walk into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yes, or, that's uh, right. And what's it like for you, though, when, when you find yourself inside these holy sites, inside these churches? Is there something for yourself on a personal level? Does it, does it feel special? Does it feel different yeah, to think I this mean, is the place? You don't really need <coughs> to be inside a specific uh, holy place. Uh, to be in Jerusalem is the same because uh, Jerusalem is the place of the uh, divine human encounter. Correct. Mm. It is there that we realize what is the mystery of the incarnation, because the topography, geography, are an undeniable testimony to this uh, great uh, event of the incarnation of the divine logos. Correct. Mm. Now, to be on the very spot of a certain place, which is connected with. Uh, uh, with the earthly life uh, or the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, of course, there is not now has a very specific um, uh, impact. Uh, first of all, the Holy Land in general and the holy places in particular are places of divine energy. And uh, this is what you really enjoy and mm. uh, you feel that. Yes, divine energy. I, Correct. I love that phrase. Um, it reminds me of something incredible, a, a miracle which takes place every uh, Holy Saturday. Correct. Uh, many people, I'm, I'm interested, sometimes many Christians in this country have not even heard of this miracle. It's, this is true. It's called Holy Fire. Right. Would you describe exactly what takes place? Well, we call it Holy Light, but it was the the Islamic world that call it holy fire right. because they venerate this event very it's very special to to them uh this ceremony is taking place only on the very spot <laughs> the very place of the resurrection the burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and um uh this ceremony is a part and parcel of the everyday uh, liturgies that we have and uh, prayers, correct? So uh, the Holy Fire is a very special ceremony uh, because it is um, uh, it is the announcement, if you like, of the uh, first experience that um, the uh, the guards of the tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ had when he came out of the tomb. Right. So or, so what happens today is... What happens today, I mean, this uh, ceremony goes on since the very days mm. of the establishment of the, of the church. And it is true that, uh, as St. John Chrysostom says, uh, when the body of Christ uh, uh, entered into the very tomb, of uh, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, he says that fire entered mm. inside it. This is why we say that uh, the tomb of Christ is really a place full of uh, mm. divine energy. Right. So, and, uh, so, so, so on, on the Holy Saturday, actual, an actual flame 
emanates from the tomb Correct. miraculously. Yes. When the patriarch comes out, I mean, we enter the tomb after we have uh, the prayer, the procession, that uh, not only clergymen mm. uh, with vestments, liturgical vestments, but also the whole uh, congregation. And the congregation is not necessarily of uh, one particular Christian denomination and not necessarily Christians. You mm. have many Muslims, many Jews, and many others, mm. indifferent people. They come there because it's a very, it's a, very mm. a unique experience, yes. correct? And there is no one so far from my own experience that has uh, remained, uh, I mean, uh, unimpressed or uh, yes. uh, there is something happening. Right. And uh, every people, when they come out, they have this uh, unique experience. Yes. I, I imagine some people must be very skeptical and think, how, how could this This is happen? true. But uh, the, the problem is that, I mean, the, the point is that when they participate for whatever reasons, mm. right? Uh, the, when they come out, uh, when they experience this event, they have their own personal uh, experience, mm. which is always positive. Absolutely. I'd love to talk a bit about your own personal story, your own personal uh, experience. So you were born in Greece? And I was born in Greece. Moved and, uh, to Jerusalem at an yes, early age? Very early. I was uh, 12 years old, right? And when I moved there and I joined there, the the Petrichet uh, school, and this is how then I joined the Brotherhood right. of the Holy Tomb. And uh, once you drink from the water of Jerusalem, then uh, you don't want to go away <laughs> to run away. <laughs> it's it is a, it is a special place. I, again, speaking for myself, th there are every time I go, I feel like I need to go back again. There's, there's this is true. About a, yes, a I mean. I'm receiving pilgrims around the clock, and uh, and uh, I meet uh, people that they've been there for five times, six times, ten times, uh, yes. and uh, everyone who has been to Jerusalem for pilgrimage, uh, he really wants to mm -hmm. come back again. This H is true. Has uh, has faith always been a part of you, or can you remember a particular time in your life where? Um, something changed in in that regard or you had a kind of experience well you know always you have uh, your doubts when you are young you right? have doubts when you're young of course and uh, it's uh, natural correct <laughs> and uh, but then uh, i mean uh, by time you you are searching you are studying you are asking and then uh, uh, you give the appropriate uh, answers and uh, uh, theology helped us a lot, I mean, mm. to especially patristic theology. The Church Fathers were uh, extremely, I mean, determined uh, our own personal uh, uh, faith mm. and uh, just uh, uh, kept away any kind of uh, doubt. Mm. Yes, so th almost through, through studying, you've, you've grown your, your faith through... Yeah, I mean, when you study the Church Fathers, the accredited Church Fathers, uh, like St. Cyril of Alexandria, who is uh, one of the greatest, I mean, um, uh, interpreter mm. of the Bible, right? And he's the one that um, managed to give an answer to Nestorianism and uh, to philosophical concepts uh, when he declared the doctrine of the incarnation by using the term hypostatic union mm. or hypostatic enosis, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what is the basis today of the Christian uh, faith. Mm. This is why for us uh, the divine logos is not just Jesus, it's Jesus Christ. And this is also how uh, Virgin Mary has a sp very special place within our uh, faith, the uh, Christian faith, and within the Ortho, especially the Orthodox Church, without uh, going to uh, extremes. You talk about what is different about the Orthodox expression of, of Christian faith to, to other denominations. I mean, some people would, would look at the Christian church around the world and, and they'd say the, the Christian church is divided. We're all in our different denominations. We all believe... Uh, different things. What are your thoughts on Christian unity? How do, how do you think about unity, and what are your 
what would that look like for you and what is your your aspiration for for the body of Christ? I mean, one should take into consideration uh, one fact, our human predicament. Christ came on earth in order to correct our, uh, uh, I mean, human uh, predicament, mm. yes. correct? But on this, uh, uh, at the same time, he is uh, fully respecting uh, our uh, uh, freedom of uh, choice, correct? Mm. There is a nice and very special word that is it can be found only in the dictionaries of the church fathers, mm-hmm. and this is autexusion. That is that is say every human being has been made not just after the image and likeness of God, but he is totally has the gift of God to be free. I mean, nobody is coerced, right, to to believe in God. Mm. <laughs> it gives you this uh, freedom. Mm. And therefore, it makes sense that everyone has uh, his own understanding and mm. interpretation of faith. Now, for me, uh, we, what is important to be ecumenical, but not ecumenist, right? Because ecumenism brings about confusion to people. But ecumenical means that you stick to your own uh, tradition, right. the way you brought up, yes. right? Yeah. And it is through only tradition, yes. right, that uh, you can uh, proceed further. I see. Correct? So, so we don't we don't apologize for our differences. No, no, no. But on the we contrary. also seek. On the contrary, we seek to bless one another yes. at the same time. And yeah. this is the uh, healthy uh, ecumenical spirit. Mm. But ecumenism, it's something. It brings confusion, right, to people. Correct. But if you stick to your own tradition, you respect your own tradition, mm. you practice your own tradition, then this is the best way to proceed for unity. And we ourselves, we have to do our part, mm. right? But the rest belongs to him, to the Lord, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, obviously, we, we, can't, uh, we can't talk about Jerusalem and talk about your life without uh, without acknowledging i guess the the difficulties of of uh, of currently living where there is a lot of conflict and sometimes christians in this country will will want to take sides and they'll want to say that side is wrong that side is good what would be your message to christians who think perhaps particularly about some of the political conflicts in in israel the palestinian territories right. and feel a need sometimes in the name of justice to want Correct. to take a side, well, yes. what would be your, your I view? I mean, on that? Uh, in uh, in the Holy Land and especially in Jerusalem, you know, there are uh, more than fifteen uh, uh, Christian denominations, churches, right? They are well established, and uh, therefore, uh, what is good today that uh, we as uh, Christian churches of the Holy Land we get together and uh, we discuss all issues, right? And uh, we try, of course, not to turn ourselves into politicians. This would be a disaster. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we are indifferent to what is happening. And uh, from time to time, we have to raise our voice, mm. but always in the context of the love of the gospel, because this is actually what has been continuous and must be our mission there, right? to promote, not just to speak about peace, it's mm. not enough. I mean, we have to always speak about reconciliation. Mm. And we are, I think, the only body, the only institution, I mean, the Christian church or the Christian community, that uh, we can really uh, make our contribution to bring the two people to, to, uh, to into understanding each other. Mm. And I think in this uh, respect, uh, we are uh, succeeding. You think you're, you're, you're yeah. hopeful about yes, that's the future? Yes, we have to be hopeful because, be. after all, the Christian church is a church of resurrection and, most specifically, the church of Jerusalem. Mm. Correct. I know you've um, talked before about Jerusalem not just being a place of history, but you've, you've said it's also where the last days will take place. Correct. This is true. I mean, many Christians. It's not would... me. It is uh, Saint John the Evangelist. Right. Well, b- well, many Christians will read Saint John or read Revelation, yeah. and they'll come away scratching their heads, thinking, "I'm not sure if I understand any of this." Do you I have see. any insights to share? 
Well, uh, I mean, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is very crystal clear uh, in the when we read the gospel. Uh, always we hear about the last days, about last judgment, etc. Uh, but at the same time, the message of the gospel is crystal clear. We should take into account what is going on around us, right? All these phenomena, the so-called natural disasters. Uh, there are certain disasters that there is no any explanation, correct? Uh, but at the same time, Jesus Christ says, well, these are signs right. that you have to take into consideration. But at the same time, please, the day has not come yet. Right. But be ready, be aware, correct? This mm. is what is important. And this is what we have to be reminded and not to talk too much about the last days or mm. about Antichrist as much as we have to talk about Christ himself and to look after our own uh, uh, personal uh, spiritual uh, advance and uh, commitment to our faith, mm. correct? Yes, and, and of course, you know, Jesus' final encouragement to his disciples to, to go into all the world, to right. speak the good news. How, how, do you, how do you personally share the good news with those who perhaps have no concept of what it means to be a Christian, perhaps those who wouldn't even believe in God. How do you share right. your faith? I mean, the, the fact that we are there in the Holy Land, I mean, I'm always challenging people, I'm telling uh, uh, why you are here. I mean, not only the Christian community, but uh, Jewish people, uh, Muslim people, everybody wants to be there. What for? For religious purposes, for religious reasons, correct? This is why the conflict is there. The conflict, actually, the, the core of the conflict, the political conflict there, it's uh, about <laughs> uh, holiness of the holy places. Mm -hmm. It's about religion, correct? Yeah. So our, uh, um, we have a mission there. And our mission is precisely this, to keep these holy places as a spiritual oasis, right, that uh, people who are visiting today the Holy Land, they uh, drink from this water. I mean, uh, no matter what people they in public say about themselves, inside, the, within the human being, there is the inner man, and this is the soul, correct? And as much as the body needs biological food, so much the soul needs uh, very special food. And this is what is our mission there. I mean, the Church of Jerusalem and Jerusalem per se, as a holy city, as a theocratic uh, place, uh, provides people with this uh, spiritual food. There are many who do not want to uh, declare it in public, but actually, uh, personally, this is what is happening to many of them. Mm -hmm. So they may not talk about it outwardly, but you never Correct. know what God's doing on yes. the inside. But you have many cases that people that uh, uh, they admit that uh, after visiting the holy places, uh, an inner change is taking place. And they say, I mean, I have many experiences. People they, they said, I had nothing to do with faith, right? I was totally indifferent. But I don't know, after I entered the Holy Sepulchre, something happened to me. Mm. <laughs> this is true. It's a, yes. it's a confession, you know. Yes. Yeah. When you were younger, did you ever aspire to be in the position that you now hold? <laughs> to be honest, I never thought of becoming a priest. But uh, I had a, a, a religious mother, but uh, she was really free and... Uh, she was the one that uh, always uh, let us go to the church right. to uh, to attend the services, right, and to serve in the altar, <laughs> to serve the priest, to mm -hmm. help the priest, and this is how then I moved to Jerusalem. Right, and once we went there, I don't know certain things are from above. <laughs> Would you? Um would you say you have a particular calling? Would you, you be able to describe that to say this is well? What listen, that is? Uh, uh, you cannot say that uh, it's a calling. It's uh, it's very difficult to to explain. I mean, uh, I know from my our own uh, friends and uh, colleagues after we graduated from the patriarchal school, the mm -hmm. school in Jerusalem, uh, 
Then uh, we decided to do what? What next? Correct? And all of a sudden, we received the message that we have the patriarch wants us to to go and uh, see him. And he's told us that, listen, you are welcome to join the brotherhood. And you could not say no. Once you join the brotherhood, you become a monk, then a new life uh, starts. And you have all sorts of uh, challenges. But at the same time, these challenges are not uh, always uh, negative. On the contrary, Mm. make you understand many things. Mm. We sometimes hear that Christians in the Holy Land feel forgotten by the rest of the church. So what would be your message to Christians of all denominations in the UK? Well, uh, this is what uh, you have. That's an interesting point. I mean, this is what I'm saying to uh, pilgrims that I'm receiving uh, around the clock and uh, every day, right, and a good number. Uh, I'm telling to the Christians that your presence here, uh, your pilgrimage, is a blessing right. for you yeah. and your families, your countrymen, but it's a blessing for us. And when I say for us, I mean for the Christian community. Mm. Why? Because Christian community here, by being here, with, by your presence, they feel that they are not abandoned, they are not forgotten, correct? And, uh, the, and, and, and uh, we as churches in uh, the Holy City of Jerusalem, uh, we try to raise awareness around the world uh, about the predicament, the problems that Christians uh, facing in uh, the Holy Land and in the major area of the Middle East. And this is why we are here and you know that uh, Great Britain and the Church of England has a very special, uh, I mean, uh, uh, interest in uh, showing not just uh, uh, theoretically, but uh, on the ground practically that there is concern about the Christians. And this is, I mean, why we are appreciative of uh, His Royal Highness uh, Prince Charles. Uh, it was his initiative to have to hold this uh, special uh, uh, prayer in the Westminster Abbey, which was really a great, great, uh, I mean, uh, uh, success and uh, a great uh, uh, tangible message mm. that uh, Christians in the Middle East they are not uh, forgotten, mm. they are not uh, abandoned, and this is what has happened. Uh, last night Mm. well your beatitude thank you so much for coming and talking to us and sharing we really appreciate it thank you very much my thanks to his most godly beatitude for coming in to the studios here at premier christian radio and spending time with us to share that message you'll also be able to read the patriarch's reflections in the forthcoming edition of Premier christianity magazine that is the magazine that sponsors this show and makes it all possible If you're not already a subscriber, we've got a great deal on right now. If you'd like to get 12 issues of the UK's leading Christian magazine for less than £20, head over to premierchristianity.com forward slash subscribe. I've been Sam Hales, and you have been listening to The Profile. Do hope you enjoyed both those interviews this afternoon. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time.